0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Today we're going to dive into the Word as we conclude our summer series. And we sang a lyric today, and what a beautiful name, that says, The veil torn before you. And that's really one of the, the moments in Scripture that we're going to focus on but as like I said, as we get ready for blink, I think there's something we have to do first. Look inside and posture ourselves because if we're gonna experience a great move of God, we should be ready as the church to posture ourselves for what that looks like. So we're gonna really hone in on this verse here. Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus is dying on the cross. And this, this is what the scripture says. But Jesus, again, crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped into top bottom the temple curtain was ripped into top to bottom the title of this message today we could have had it all we could have had it all let's pray father we thank you for what you're gonna do today for what you've already done for how you've moved so powerfully in this room but I pray that as we get into your word you transform us speak to us build us up make us more like you we don't just do church As part of our schedule, we do it to encounter the living God. And we ask that you would meet us here, transform us, and equip us for what you have ahead of us. In Jesus' name. Everyone said. Has anyone here ever made the wrong choice and missed out on quite a lot? Right? Where you're like, oh, I could have had it all. (laughs) It's a really bittersweet statement, like this chorus of Adele's song is just, it's haunting. We could have had it all. It's like this fiery breakup song, which I think is so funny that Pastor Janice is up here singing a breakup song when she's got like the most beautiful like high school sweetheart story with Pastor Gary, but she really tapped into it. Good job, Grand Jan, we love you. We could have had it all. Like, you know when you're at a restaurant and you don't know what to pick? And you're like, man, I can't decide which one. And you pick one, but then someone else picks the other one you were thinking, and yours comes to the table and it's vitamin sized. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I hate when gourmet stuff comes out and it's like a breath of burger. You know, it's just like, and then someone else has like the jumbo portion. And you're like, ah, oh, I could have had it all. You know, or like you, you're debating between cars and you're like, which one do I want to purchase? And you buy one and it like breaks down the next week and you're like, ah, oh, could have had it. I made the wrong choice. I have a little fun fact to, to share about myself with you guys. And I, I hope that it doesn't like change your view of me because this is a really great uh, skill that I have. It's something I'm really amazing at. Um, I am the best at the Deal or No Deal arcade game that you've ever seen, like I don't know if you've seen that. I know I'm human, guys. Don't don't elevate me too high. I'm human. I'm just very good at Deal or No Deal, the arcade game. Okay. Do you have who has seen this game? All right, all right. So it's like the TV show, but it's an arcade game, and there's no real money involved except yours, and you lose it. So I'm very good at it. It's this giant screen and they have all the cases and you get to see like where the million is and then it <laughs> mixes them all up and you have to pick it and then you play the game as usual. So I'm extremely good at this game. Uh, and anytime that I'm playing it in an arcade, I always kind of get all the attention cause I start screaming, I start saying, no deal. And I get really enthusiastic. And uh, anytime it happens, it's a scene. Like I remember one time I was playing and I had the entire arcade surrounding me, all three people and it was so, Intense okay, so I'm going through the whole game. I was like I got the million. I got the million I know I got the million. I'm eliminating cases eliminating it gets to the end And you know there's only two cases left you have your case and the case that's on the board and then they offer Do you want to trade cases? The only cases left are the million and 25 cents. In the whole game, I've been saying, I got the million. I got the million. And so and everyone's like chanting my name, both of them. And uh, so everyone's chanting, and I say, no deal. And uh, it turns out, I won the million, because like I said, I'm the best at this game. And I left the arcade with three Tootsie Rolls. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> but I think often we find ourselves in situations in life where it's like, all right, I made my choice. Man, I got 25 cents. <laughs> I could have had the million. I could have had it all. Have you ever made a choice that you regret, that it feels like you lost out, that you got the bad end of the bargain? We could have had it all. Adele screams it in this song. She's singing about a relationship that could have been and it fell through and her soul is aching. It's the reason I think this song went to number one and stayed there for so long because she taps into emotion we all know. We could have had it all, but we lost it. We made the wrong choice. Things went wrong and regret, it, 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 it rips through all of our lives. It affects all of us. And I want to lay some groundwork here so you can kind of see where I'm going to go with this. I want to define what the kingdom of God is because we talk about the kingdom all the time. The kingdom of God, the Bible teaches us, is righteousness and peace and joy in his spirit. It's his, it's his divine order. It's his presence. It's his glory. It's his goodness. The kingdom of God is everything that we're meant to experience. But I really hope that you can understand the presence of God, the kingdom of God, was not always as accessible to us as it is today. We're going to go into some Old Testament theology, and I hope you can follow me here today. I'm going to make sure that I make it as easy to navigate as, as, as we can. But today, you can be sitting in the most obscure place, like an Arby's. I don't know why. That's the most obscure place that I could imagine. The fries are really good, though. <laughs> I just can't imagine what would bring me to an Arby's. Like, I'm not talking about drive-thru, I mean, sit dine in Arby's, okay? That's a unique moment in life. Like, I'm dining in Arby's, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm dining in Arby's, and I just, for a moment, say, hold on, everyone. Jesus, thank you for your presence. I love you so much. I ask that you would move in my life. Use me for your glory. And right there in the middle of Arby's, you are immediately in the center of his presence. You can commune with the living God. You can talk to him. You can speak to him. He'll interact with you. He'll encourage you. He'll build you up. Is anyone grateful that God's presence is accessible to us at any moment and at any time? <laughs> Try to imagine life without that. That's what the entire Old Testament consisted of. The people of God had to hope that God would hear them. Once a year, one priest had the chance to go into the Holy of Holies, which is the center of the center of the tabernacle. And that one guy went in on behalf of all of us, and everyone's standing on the outside saying, I hope we get forgiveness. I hope we get mercy. I hope God speaks to us today. We've waited all year. Perhaps we'll get a word from God. Can you imagine what it would be like to have walls between you and the manifest presence of God? See, we get too comfortable sometimes because we can just invoke the name of Jesus in an Arby's, and I'm grateful for that, but we don't realize the price that was paid and how many people had distance between them and that presence. And so that kingdom, that presence, was not readily accessible to people for centuries, and it all started in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve could have had it all. Let's describe Eden for just a bit because it's this place that we don't talk about enough. It is perfection. Adam and Eve walked with God. It says in the cool of the day, God would just walk with him. That tells me that it wasn't Florida and <laughs> the weather was good because y'all, I feel like I get surprised. I've lived here 31 years, my whole life. I feel like I get surprised every summer, I'm Like it's hot. <laughs> is this wor-? I always say it? Is this worse than last year? Every year, I find myself saying, were the love bugs this bad? Was it this hot? Every year, I say the same thing. You walk, it's so humid outside. You walk outside, you just need a snorkel. Like, it's just so stupid. You just, you can't breathe. It's so hot. But Adam and Eve didn't have that. They were just walking in the cool of the day. And God, the God of the universe, the manifest presence of God, just strolling with them. They got to talk with him. They didn't have to work. Somebody say Amen. <laughs> They had no work. They had nothing to do except enjoy the presence of God. They didn't even wear clothes. Silence. I just wanted to see who would, like, respond to that. (laughs) Ladies, if that makes you uncomfortable, think of it this way. They had no laundry. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, there we go. (laughs) Now everyone can agree that's a good scenario. (laughs) They had nothing but the goodness of God. But true to form... Just like you and I would do, because here's the honest truth, we are in Adam and Eve. We are of them. We are cut from the same cloth as them. It might not have been you in that garden, but if you were there, you would do the same thing. That with all of this perfection, what catches your eye? One tree that God said, you will not eat from this tree. Because this tree, you'll eat of it and you'll surely die. You will lose it all if you go after this one tree. Adam and Eve had everything. They had it all and they said, but I wonder what that tastes like. And this is where Pastor Jana's teaching from last week comes in clutch. Please go listen to it about boundaries. Because I think that you and I have to understand the power of boundaries. Boundaries don't restrain us, they protect us from losing everything God has given us. No one wakes up one day and says, mm, you know what? I feel like being an addict today. I feel like destroying my family today feel like throwing everything away. No one decides to ruin everything. It starts with, I wonder what that fruit tastes like. Let me take a step toward that tree. Let me just hold the fruit. Let me just look at the fruit. Let me just smell the fruit. Let me just a little taste of the fruit. And eventually, you are forsaking everything you have for the one thing that God said don't. And we need to reframe how we understand obedience, friends. Because this is how too many of us approach obedience. Okay, this is not, this is not like written out explicitly in scripture, but for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to put a number on it. Let's say that there were 100 trees in the garden. There's probably way more than that, but since I can't do better math than just percents, 100 trees in the garden. There's one tree that they could not eat from. This isn't a trick question. How many trees could they eat from? 99. And yet... Adam and Eve looked at obedience as some big, weighty sacrifice that, oh my gosh, to obey God, I can't eat from that one tree? That I have to avoid that one tree. That one tree is what I can't eat from. Look at that one tree. That one tree is looking actually pretty good. I wonder what that one tree's fruit tastes like. Let me get a little closer. And obedience was centered all around the avoidance of sin. Friends, if we think obeying God is some big sacrifice where we have to give up that one thing we're going after, we're viewing it wrong. A much better perspective would be that obeying God is not avoiding one tree, it's enjoying 99. Obeying God gives me all of this. Stop thinking about what you lose by saying yes to Jesus and start considering what you gain as a result of it because you always get more when you say yes to Jesus and you always end up with less when you say yes to sin. Too many of us are willing to throw away 99 to go after this one fruit that God said no. You have a whole garden, friends. Let me talk to married couples real quick. You have a garden, Your marriage is a garden. Your family is a garden. And you might not see the fruit today that you want. It might not feel the way you want. It might not look the way you want. But a garden is a a product of how you cultivate it. And instead of going to someone else's garden and saying, I wonder what it's like over there. Why don't you pour all that energy that you put into gazing across the field into your own garden? Do not throw away what God has given you. You could have it all. Don't worry about the one tree. Enjoy the goodness that God has given you. Adam and Eve got to walk with God, man. They got to name animals. How cool is that? Like whatever you said, stuck. Adam's just like, platypus. Boom. Like how dope. It makes no sense. But he had the authority to just name things as he wanted. Our bark. Yep. God just says yes to it. He could have had it all, but they had to look at that one tree. And sin entered the scene when Adam and Eve went after the one thing that God said they could not have. Genesis 3.23. So God expelled them from the Garden of Eden. Not a word you want to hear the week of school starting, but anyway. (laughs) God expelled them from the Garden of Eden and sent them to work the ground. Now they got to work. Work the ground, the same dirt from which they've been made. Does anyone see the... Painful irony of all that. The only person who has worked the ground up until this point was God himself, shaping it, breathing into it. But now that sin has come, sorry, Adam and Eve, now you're working. Now you're going out and sweating. Now you're doing labor because you have stepped out of the perfection that I crafted for you. He threw them out of the garden and stationed an angel cherubim and a revolving sword of fire east of it, guarding the path to the tree of life. I want to talk about two words here, sin holiness sin is the election to create distance between you and the presence of God sin is the choice to go long distance relationship with God to say like we're cool and all but I'm gonna go over here we create distance holiness is the decision to draw closer to his presence I think my generation gets really rocked by these words of sin and holiness because no one wants to tell anyone what to do. It's like I have my own convictions. I know what's right and wrong for me. And so don't talk to me about sin and don't talk to me about holiness. You know, and that's how we, so many of us operate. But friends, I understand that you like intimacy. I understand that you like, you know, love and and heart-based things. And I I operate much the same way, but we have to have standards. Without standards, the heart is going to lead us astray. Sin and holiness. If we'll attach these words to our own craving for intimacy, it can illuminate some things. Sin is basically saying, I am pulling away from intimacy with God. I am distancing myself from the center of his love, from the center of his goodness. Holiness is saying I'm drawing closer to him. And everything that's attached with that, because if I get closer to purity, I have to become more pure. If I get closer to perfection, I have to lay down my imperfections. If I'm gonna get closer to God himself, there are certain things that just can't go there with me. And that's why we allow God to transform our lives. Religion is not behavior modification, it is heart transformation. I don't stop cussing and stop drinking and stop going certain places because I'm trying to be holier than thou. I do it because he's holier than everything. And to get close to him, my life has to transform. I'm not doing it to be better. I'm doing it to be closer. That's what holiness is. Holiness is intimacy in motion. It's me saying I got to be closer to Jesus. It's not me proving myself. It's me letting him be the center of my life. Holiness is intimacy in motion. If you want to be close, you'll do whatever it takes to get close. And so Adam and Eve sinned and created this rift, this distance between them and God. And as time went on, this rift only grew deeper because Adam and Eve didn't just sin, but their children sinned and their children's children and so on and so forth, forth, until all of us are now culpable along with Adam and Eve. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Eventually the Garden of Eden wasn't even enough. God said, no, the world is sinful now. The ground is cursed. Everything is sinful. So you're going to build me a tabernacle, a tent with layers and layers of separation. And in the center of the center of this tabernacle is the Holy of Holies. You have to put a veil dozens of feet high, six feet thick, and it's going to be a single seamless veil that no one can get through. And within, behind that veil, my presence will rest. How sad. That it's, you, you guys remember Get Smart? Like all the doors he had to go through, like the moving walls, the opening doors, the portals. Like that's how it was to approach the presence of God. And only one priest once a year was even able to go in there. Separated separated. And in the Old Testament, there's so much purpose to the Old Testament. Don't get, don't get scared of it, because you might not understand it. Dig a little deeper. But in, in Leviticus, when he's talking about all the artistic design of this veil, like there are chapters and chapters about what the veil is supposed to look like. He tells the artists what pattern is supposed to be on it. The pattern that is supposed to be on the veil is angel cherubim with fiery swords. Because this veil represents the same angel that separated Adam and Eve from the garden. And the veil is a representation of the separation that has always been there, that we erected between ourselves and God. It's a physical representation of sin separating us from the fullness of his presence. And let me tell you what. Like, we're getting ready for blink. There's some scary stuff in blink. And people are are always like, oh, I'm scared of demons. Okay, demons might be creepy, but you know what I'm actually scared of? An angel warrior with a fire sword pointed at me. That would freak me out. Because with a little demon, I know the name that eradicates that demon. But you talk about an angel commissioned by God to keep me out of a place? I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) And these angel warriors are printed on this veil. and, And this is the pattern of the veil. And it's just a constant reminder, you can't get in here. You can't get in here. You can't get in here. And maybe today you feel like you're looking from the outside in to the presence of God. We're singing what a beautiful name and everyone's got their hands up and you just feel like there's a wall between you and God, that you've never tasted of his presence. You can't enjoy his presence. You feel like you're a thousand miles away. I want to encourage you today that there is purpose to this story and that even though there is distance, there is no abandonment. You might feel far, but you are not forgotten. You might feel on the outside, but you're not thrown away. You might feel distanced, but you are not forgotten. Because even the moment sin entered the world and God is kicking Adam and Eve out and he's cursing them. Even in, this is the beauty of God's character. Even in cursing them, he's blessing them. He says, you're going to be cursed. You're going to work the ground in toil. You're going to sweat. Eve, you're going to have pain in childbirth. This curse is awful. All these things are cursing. And then he says, but you will raise up an offspring that will bruise the serpent, and he will be triumphant, and his name will be great. God is so good that even when he is doling out consequences for our own actions, he is expressing his promise over our life that even though we messed it up, he's going to make it right. Even in the curse, there's a blessing. So you are not forgotten. No one has fallen so far that they are disqualified from the favor of God because this plan was in motion from the beginning. And sometimes God makes a tactical retreat so that he can make a more profound advance. And throughout Scripture, I see the presence of God retreating into Eden, into the tabernacle, into the temple, into Mary, And then it's pulled all the way back. Only one person on the face of the earth is holding the presence of God. And then suddenly, boom, onto the scene, the full manifest presence of God in Jesus Christ Himself. And what was housed in a garden, what was housed in a tabernacle, what was housed in a temple, what was housed in a 14 year old virgin, is now been released upon the earth for the benefit of not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, for men, for women, for young, for old, for rich, for poor. He pulled back so He could advance. God pulled back the same way that an arrow is pulled back so that he could advance later. And it's much the same way in your life. If God seems far away right now, get ready because it means he's going to rush in to your situation. He's going to rush into your life. Take hope because it's his nature and his character. God is never far away from those who call on his name. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. And so why am I talking about this right before blink? Because you can't share something that you've never experienced for yourself. Yeah. It, it has no oomph to it. <laughs> I wish I could put a better word to that, but I think you feel me. It's like me recommending food I've never tasted. It just doesn't work. I have no urgency. Like, hey, you should get that. I heard it's good. Okay, w- w- so what? You heard it's good. But you try to get around me when I'm tasting good food. Yeah. You, try to get around, you try to keep the room quiet when I'm eating good food. I will make a public announcement. I'll literally clank my forehead down and say, This is the best French fries I've ever had. I've done it I'll, I'll look at the table next like, you guys try you want some of this you got you guys got to try some of this because once I experience it I have the urgency the authority and the motivation to share it with those around me if we're gonna be a church that is bringing the hope of Jesus to our city we can't just say hey go try this I heard it's good no we have to say I have experienced Jesus for myself he's transformed my life his presence is my everything you have to know him for yourself I think the reason so many people are scared of evangelizing, of sharing Jesus, is because they haven't experienced him for themselves. It's why so many people default to just, uh, go to my church and my pastor will tell you about that. I mean, yeah, we're here to serve, but you tell them. You should have a story to tell. You should know, if you can't lead someone to Jesus, it's because you haven't led yourself to Jesus. You should know how to get into his presence on Monday morning and on Tuesday morning and at Arby's and at every moment of the the day. You should know how to get into this open door of his presence because the whole purpose of this plan was so that his glory could be accessible to us. So don't forsake that privilege. You have Eden open to you once again. Don't stay on the outside. Go right into his presence and learn how to bring others there with you. Jesus, this text scripture, crying loudly, breathed his last. And at that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. I love the signature of God. This thing ain't going to rip from the bottom up because then y'all might think a person did it. But from the top down, this six feet thick veil is being torn into the angel cherubim, the fiery sword. Done is the day of man and God being separated. When Jesus gave up his life, when he stretched his arms out, he bridged the gap between God and us. And the veil has been torn before him. We could have had it all in Eden, but Jesus brought it all back to us on the cross. He restored to us everything that we lost so that we could know the intimacy, know the love, know the joy. And if you don't know it, you can. Oh, but I'm about to preach because so many of us misunderstand the power of this moment, the veil being torn. Yes, Jesus tore the veil so that you could get in. But an even bigger reason, he tore the veil so that God could get out into the earth. So it wouldn't be limited to just a certain people group or a certain person or one time a year. But that his presence would rush through the earth every moment of the day. And every creature, every creed, every tongue, and every race could know the manifest presence of God. When that veil was torn in two, joy was released. When that veil was torn in two, healing was released. Peace was released. Power was released. And suddenly what was housed in the tabernacle is flying through the earth. There is this 24 karat magic in the air that the presence of God is being displayed through the earth for people to experience in their homes, in their cars, in their living rooms, and at any moment of the day head to toe, so player. For us to know the fullness of his presence, for us to know him. And so the purpose is that we share it, that we let others experience that same glory. Or maybe you're too saved to remember what it feels like to be without it. Sometimes the problem is that we're too saved, church. Brooke Lichertwood says it this way, who wrote that song, what a beautiful name, she says, I still remember the metallic taste of a life without Jesus. Can anyone remember what that tastes like? That empty, metallic, dry life without Jesus. If we forget who we were, we forget who he is. If we forget what he brought us from, we don't know how to relate to others who are still bound in it. We need to remind ourselves, who we were without him. And when we see others who have that same face, if you were in depression, you have a gift to spot depression in others. And when you see someone else in it, you don't say, oh, I'm better than you. Say, no, I am you. The only difference between me and you is Jesus. Let me show you what changed my life. Don't be too saved. The purpose of all of this is so that we can walk with God like Adam and Eve, but that we don't do it alone. That we grab someone's hand and say, hey, you're on the outside of Eden, but hey, the door's open. You don't have to stay out there. Come, come walk with me. Let me show you the one who changed everything for me. Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10:19. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God in the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body torn for us so let's do it full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. If you deal with insecurity right now let this verse break it off of your life. Confident that you are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word so let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging each other and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do but spurring each other on especially as we see that day approaching. Church we can walk right up to God through the open door that is Jesus. Confident that we are now presentable not by our own merit but by what he has done and the response let's be inventive, creative, strategic about how to share this with others. I'm talking about getting a notebook and saying alright Pastor Cassie said I can buy eight tickets get two free. What ten people am I bringing with me to Blink? My boss, the person who works next to me, my neighbor, oh his kid likes freaking movies. Boom I'm bringing him too, getting strategic. I know someone who last blink, said Pastor Justin, my manager always says no when I invite her to work and she's always got a list of excuses, but this time I'm ready. Her first excuse is that she can't get off. I'm going to take the shift that night. I'm going to make sure the schedule has my name on it. Her second excuse is her kid. I'm paying for a babysitter. Her third excuse is that she needs time with her husband. I'm buying a gift card for them to have dinner after blink. I'm doing everything I need to do. And you're like, whoa, that sounds expensive. Is it expensive or is it worth it? Is it expensive or is it inventive? Is it doing what it takes? takes to share the same glory that you have been given the door was opened freely to us now we should open it to each other you should not approach blink and say oh honey what night are we seeing the show it'll be a fun night for us no it's honey we need to rent a van we need to get every person we know because God showed his glory to us we're gonna make sure everyone that sees that sees our lives are gonna see Jesus in us it's time to go crazy church to share this free access to his presence that we have been given and when we do There's going to be a long line of people that can walk in the same freedom that you and I have. Oh, what a joy to share it. Oh, what a privilege to share it. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.